You're listening to the Weed Smart Podcast, where each fortnight we chat about dealing with those pesky weeds. Welcome to the Weed Smart Podcast. I'm Jessica Strauss, and on this edition of the podcast, we're looking at how giving the soil a light tickle can help with uniform weed control with Shane Kelly from Kelly Tillage. And we're also going to have a chat with Tom Woods from the Woods Group, and they're based in Gundawindi. And Tom is going to talk to us about seed cleaning and the things that growers need to look out for to make sure they get it right. Peter Newman is my co-host today, and he has been away, but he's back. So welcome back, Pete. How are you going? Yeah, I'm great, Jess. How are you? I'm really good. And uh, yeah, we're racing towards the end of the year. It's unbelievable, but some people have already started harvest and many people are just looking down the barrel at harvest. How's things in your patch? Yeah, harvest has started, but then it's ground to a hold again, Jess. We've got a, quite a big drop of rain the last couple of days, but the initial reports were fantastic in my part of the world. Very exciting. Some big canola yields and at a thousand bucks a tonne, it is probably... Um, Bigger gross, yeah, record gross margins on some of those canola paddocks, I think, Jess. So pretty pretty exciting. That How is, about you? What have you been up to? It is exciting. Well, it's been a, a good couple of weeks and it's looking likely touch wood. We are recording this just before I'm about to head to Tasmania for the Crop Protection Forum. And so I'm very excited about that. Really keen to meet up with our Southern Extension agronomist, Yana Dixon, who will be presenting at the Crop Protection Forum, which is a cross-industry event, CCDM, which looks at diseases, and Caesar Australia, which looks looks at pests, are uh, co-organisers of this event and we're heading to Launceston this year in Tasmania to talk about weeds, diseases and pests and how to control them. And so, yeah, Yana is presenting at that event and I'm going along and, and one of the organisers. So as long as everything goes to plan, Pete, I'm leaving the state. Fantastic. Well, we're getting a bit edging closer to opening up this country, aren't we? So, uh, yeah. Fingers crossed that you can get to Tassie and back with no lockdowns, Jess. Yeah, fingers crossed. You can only hope. But everything that I had planned uh, that, uh, you know, in terms of concerts and events has all been rescheduled. So in the event that I did have to quarantine, look, it wouldn't be the end of the world. There's really nothing much on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you've been away, Pete. Give us a quick snapshot of your break. I know you've uh, had a good couple of weeks away. Oh, we could probably just press record from one of my previous um, podcasts. <laughs> yeah. yes, we, we do the same thing every, well, every holiday this year. We yeah. keep going to Narlow Station, north of Carnarvon, camp on the beach, look at whales, drift past uh, all day and spend a lot of hours looking at the ocean, actually. That's my main pastime up there. Very therapeutic. Very good to clear the brain. But, yeah, a bit of surfing, a bit of kite surfing, nice camping and, uh, yeah, got a bit windy. But apart from that, uh, yeah, great holiday. Oh, that's lovely. And you're back all fresh to talk about the two things that we're covering on the podcast today, which is, of course, the Kelly chain and also seed cleaning. We're going to kick off by chatting with Shane Kelly about the uh, the Kelly Tillage chain. Can you give us a bit of a snapshot, Pete, from your perspective of this tech? Yeah, well, the Kelly chain is really popular in WA. They can be operated pretty quickly over a pretty good width and at relatively low cost so yeah very popular in this part of the world not as popular for the autumn tickle as Shane talks about in the interview around here we actually use them a lot for controlling sort of tough to control woodyish sort of summer weeds or woody weeds from out of our fallow in particularly our lower rainfall zones Jess 
but yeah, certainly the autumn tickle is another another great use of the of their tool. Yeah, and it's just a, another tool in the Weed Smart Big Six toolkit to consider. So let's jump in and uh, take a listen and hear from Shane Kelly. In this interview, we're catching up with Shane Kelly from Kelly Tillage. Shane is going to talk to us about how using the Kelly chain to provide a light tickle to the ground to germinate weed seeds leads to better control of them. He does join us now. How are you going, Shane? Good, thanks, Jess. Yeah, good. Thanks for joining us. Now, firstly, Kelly Tillage has recently come on board as a silver partner to Weed Smart. Welcome, firstly. Uh, and can I just get a little bit of an overview of what prompted you to come on board, Shane? Yeah, thanks, Jess. Um, I think what prompted us to come on board with Weed Smart was the recognition that, you know, that the sort of shared values in trying to promote sustainability and integrated weed management. Uh, from our farming background and from the uh, the machinery we produce at Kelly Engineering and uh, promoters Kelly Tillage, it really is all about farm sustainability and, and the area we can play in, and that is a really light touch to the soil and promoting the idea of well, weed resistance, herbicide resistance management. Because we're present in uh, you know, a lot of markets around the world, we're able to have conversations with areas that are still learning what Australia's learned over the last 20 years. And it's nice to be able to share some of that. And I think you know, partnering with or, or uh, being associated with WeedSmart perhaps gives us some more resources to share with people that we talk to. And I think adds what we see as an important extra tool into the into the big six conversation of the of the light tickle, just uh, you know, the weed seed germination stimulation. Yeah, certainly, Shane. And we are really excited to have Kelly Tillage on board, and it's a really good fit. And so today we are going to be chatting about how a controlled shallow tillage can in fact help growers control their weeds. So let's talk about it. Can you walk us through how this process works with the Kelly chain, Shane? Sure. No magic bullet, obviously, and that's the whole purpose of the weeds mode is to bring everybody's attention to as many different tools as we can use. We farmed here for 100 years at Bullaroo and in South Australia. We're as good at growing resistant ryegrass as just about anywhere else in the world, I think. So, so that kind of meant we had to find some solutions in our own farm. And we found that no-till was really efficient for us, but we were already developing herbicide resistance and we were, were struggling in a low rainfall area to provide competitive enough crops. So we had to try you know, alternatives. This was in the days prior to you know, harvest weed seed destruction opportunities and certainly we'd, we'd elected that burning was out of the question for us. So the I guess all of the recognition or the, I think from experience and time we've known that um, a light tickle will stimulate, you know, bring on a flush of germination. And so we, we kind of adapted or made sure we used uh, really blunt discs in our disc chain uh, tool and we really didn't want to try and dig at all. We just aimed to, to disturb the top, you know, one or two centimetres at the most, mm. not for the sake of tillage, but for the sake of uh, lightly abrading, you know, uh, waxy layer on weed seeds and on, on uh, volunteer seeds. You know, some weed seeds we know are stimulated by exposure to light, some are stimulated by darkness, some are stimulated by uh, breaking down the waxy layer and, and letting uh, moisture in for germination. So any one or all of those those factors can be uh, approached with, you know, shallow tickle if you like, and especially something like the discharge that, it gives really good coverage and sort of pushes everything left and then right as it goes through. And what we were finding is that we'd get paddocks that come up green like a lawn on the first flush of rain and gave us the opportunity then either to mechanically control those or actually, you know, make good use of herbicides and get a double knock before seeding time, knowing that the 
biggest percentage of the wheat seeds had been germinated. And we were finding continuously that we'd have a really nice window of sort of five or six weeks post-germination of the crop where we had a fairly clean field. We didn't have the volunteer weed seeds sort of germinating through that period because we sort of concentrated that germination due to the discharge. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, you've mentioned the double knock there, which is obviously one of the principles that we advocate for in our Weed Smart Big Six. And you've explained it in a bit of detail there, but why is it such a good way to get on top of weeds to have that double knock opportunity, Shane? Well, no, herbicides are a really important tool. We also know that they come with quite a few challenges and, and any single mode of control is, is problematic in a, in a resistance scenario. So the, um, you know, the lot tickle, shallow tickle, if you like, with the discharge to concentrate the germination means that when you do come through with your, with your herbicides, you've got the biggest target audience you can possibly have. You've got the majority of the weed seeds there really waiting, and they're all of a similar age because you've germinated them all pretty quickly, so you don't get, you know, uh, larger, more established, harder to kill weeds and, and small germinating weeds. Your timing is, is optimised as a result of doing that. Yeah, that's very logical and makes total sense. Let's get to the practical use patterns of this equipment. How often would growers be doing this? Would they be doing it every year on every paddock, for example? Can you walk us through what the process would be for growers? Yeah, like anything that touches the ground, you've got you know, optimum conditions and, and, and otherwise. And so we really kind of advocate you know, anything you do in the soil should be with the right amount of moisture and the right amount of timing. And of course, everybody who's ever driven a tractor knows that that happens about 1% of the time and you've got, you've got to get things done when you do get things done. <laughs> Like it really depends on your soil and on your, on your uh, situation. Some soils can handle uh, a little more disturbance than others and uh, most of the Australian dryland stuff really doesn't want to be too often disturbed because you make the surface fine and you, you know, wind erosion and so on becomes a risk. So we really advocate doing, you know, using the discharge in the presence of lots of residue that you can keep on the surface and you know, maintain soil moisture and protect the soil. That being said, we used to practice with the early spring rains, so with a little bit of moisture of a 1,000 hectare cropping program here before I moved into the engineering. And uh, they're pretty efficient machines. You can go over a fair bit of country, so we would try aim to run over the ground just after the first uh, first rain, a little bit of moisture. We'd find that that would uh, you know, stimulate a really good germination. In a lot of soils, maybe timing means that just the once, and you do that when you're going to stimulate your optimum germination. Some heavier soils you may be able to run over and get the light tickle, and then with a sharper bladed disc, come back preceding and actually cut the weeds. And so, take a lot of the reliance away from your herbicides and your double knock. You might still use those, but you may only have two or three percent of your weed population left instead of the weed pressure you might otherwise get. Yeah, I love the opportunity for diverse tactics there, Shane. But with anything, there's usually pros and cons. Are there any notable downsides that growers need to be aware of when using this approach or anything they need to be thinking about when using this approach? Yeah, you've got to continue to use the whole range of, of tools in your, in your toolkit. Never promote the idea that you know the, the Kelly Tillage tools are the answer. They, they're one of a handy list of tools that you can bring out. No, we, kind of, we know that they really add value in the integrated weed management space. Um, I guess in wind-prone areas, um, without much surface cover, you, you want to be pretty careful, but it doesn't matter what you're touching the soil with. You know, that's not unique to our products. Well, it's really, it's just, you know, sensible management of your soils. And the more, more carbon you put back into the soils, the less tillage you're doing overall, the better 
the better health your soils are in, the more resilient they are to uh, to any kind of disturbance. Mm -hmm. But we really do promote just ultra shallow. You know, I don't see lots of value in you know digging deeper than you need to. Just disturbing the very surface is where the weed seeds are. Breaking the capillary action at that level keeps the moisture trapped in the soil, but as close to the surface as you can for crop germination and just keeping all the residue on the surface. You know, those those things provide the ideal environment for germinating weed seeds, um, but also for subsequent crop. Makes sense, Shane. And Shane, in terms of the cost for this product for the Kelly chain, what are growers looking at in terms of an investment? Typically, the uh, the operating cost is something under ten dollars a hectare, and we've done you know there's a fair bit of work going to, to coming up with numbers like that, and that includes you know lifetime wear of the tools and chains. But so if, if you apply it like that on a, on a usage basis, it's a pretty economical purchase, and the savings you can make using this as an alternative to, to, to some other weed control or tillage methods are pretty handy. But your investment is going to be sort of a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand somewhere in there. So it's commensurate with a lot of, you know, broad acre, high capability or high capacity tillage tools or farming tools. Okay. Thank you for that information. And before we wrap things up, is there anything else you'd like to mention about this technology that you think is important for growers to be aware of? Yeah, just a whole philosophy is around sustainability in, in farming. And we've certainly found you know, on our own farm and anecdotally from others that the ability to reduce your impact on the soil to broaden your you know, integrated weed management opportunities and to, to really work on improving your soil health is utterly and ultimately beneficial from, you know, as a bottom line for your farm. It's not just the tool that does that, it's the practices and philosophies that go behind it. But uh, we really see globally the kind of approach that people are looking to improve margins, which you can do by taking out cost or, or growing more crop. And growing more is, is a pretty difficult thing to do. So Australia, we're really, really good at focusing on, you know, low cost of production and, and maybe, maybe the best in the world at it. And so we how to you know, learn from other parts of the globe and, and share that message. And, and this is just one of the tools that kind of helps to share that message. But I think it's been really nice with Australia's experience in herbicide resistance and kind of leading integrated weed management to have the opportunity to travel around to other countries like Argentina where they've got no tool but some of the worst herbicide resistance and chemical challenges on the planet, um, North America or Europe where, you know, deep conventional tillage is, is very much a thing and they're all really fascinated to learn from what we're doing in Australia and I'm kind of proud that I've kind of been in both camps, if you like, as an active farmer and now developing and promoting gear that helps farmers be sustainable. Yeah, that's a great message, Shane. Well, we're so excited that you're on board as a partner now and, yeah, thank you so much for explaining what the benefits of a light tickle can have for growers in germinating weeds and, yeah, getting that uniform control. It's a really interesting concept and, yeah, it's obviously a really great fit for the Weed Smart Big Six. So thank you so much for explaining it. Yeah, you're welcome, Justin. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us on board. We really appreciate the opportunity to be uh, associated with what we think is a really important message. In this interview, we're catching up with Tom Woods. Tom is from the Woods Group, which is an Australian agribusiness based in Gundawindi. And uh, part of their process is obviously selling seed and making sure that that seed is clean. So Tom is going to have a chat with us about what you can think about to ensure that you've got clean seed and you're not planting weed seeds. He does join us now. How are you going, Tom? I'm going well, thanks, Jess. Great to talk to you today. So in terms of why it's important, can you just give us an overview firstly, a bit of a broad overview for, yeah, why cleaning your seed is an important thing to do? 
Well, what goes in the ground, obviously, is what's going to what's planted, whether intentionally or unintentionally, is what's going to grow. We've got a lot of competitors out there. We like to think we're planting that Pacific crop, but uh, there's a lot of other seeds that want to have their share uh, of the moisture and what have you. So there's always some competitors out there. So if you want to keep it down to maximise the yield and get the purity of what uh, you're growing, well, you need less competitors. And I suppose that's basis of what we're doing when we're trying to keep our species pure. Yes, certainly. And so, Tom, as part of your business at Woods Group, you do have sea cleaning on site. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works and who gets to use it? Well, most of our seed cleaning is done for our own, with our own seed. We grow seed. Our farm is a seed-producing farm, so every crop uh, we put in, apart from the hybrid soil and that type of thing, but the all our winter crops and we're looking to some other summer crop crops as well, but they are basically grown as seed crops. So every variety we put in, it is pure to seed. And when we come to harvest, whatever that variety is, we can uh, harvest that with confidence and know that that variety is pure and clean and, just, and how much we want to keep or what the situation of harvest time with weather and all the other things that impact on your crop we know that it is a pure, clean variety. Now, we then store that as seed. A lot of QA goes on here. That's what we do. Anyone working this farm is very familiar with a lot of planting down, whether it be silos, augers, trucks, headers, planters, you name it. It gets doubly cleaned and inspected, and it just keeps going on. But we're used to it, and it's part of what we do. We then, uh, that seed, it's it, it seed until such time, it's pre seed until such time it's not seed. And that is, if it's not sold for seed, it then goes into the commercial market. But if it's kept, it's, uh, it's kept for seed until such time as we don't need it. So it goes from here on the farm, we're 45 kilometres out of Gundawindi, and we take that into Gundawindi where it's cleaned, stored, all of um, the... Uh, the germination and all the characteristics are all recorded. Everything's done for so you can pack your seed and then it is held there until such time as orders come in and then sold to seed, whether to resellers or direct to growers. We don't do a lot of cleaning for other farmers. They're usually maybe smaller lots and even though they're big farmers, they've got big lots, but a lot of those people get far people to go on farm with uh, seed cleaning equipment and grade their seed. So we don't do a lot of cleaning for other farmers, but a lot of farmers and resellers and through resellers buy a lot of our seed. So we're cleaning for farmers, but uh, they don't bring their seed to us for us to clean. Yeah, for sure. And so, Tom, you're using gravity tables at the Woods Group, and it's a really important process to clean the seed using those tables. Can you walk us through that process and other things that growers need to be mindful of when it comes to ensuring that their seed remains clean throughout the whole chain of events where uh, yeah, seed is travelling through? Yeah, well, I think if they're buying what we'd call certified seed, the chance of getting weed seeds is probably minimal. If you're buying it, I don't say buying from your neighbour, is you're going to pick up weed seeds. It depends on the cleaning and how you do it. There's all just various ways how people clean their seed. I've seen fellas put it through a header and try to blow the chaff out of it, get it fairly clean, or they'll use a very rough 
seed grader, take out the big husky stuff, and the rest is ready for seed. So it depends how they view that. But most of the, the weed seed, unless you're introducing species that are not on your farm, most of that seed is homegrown. It's usually grown on the farm. And they get more seed infestation from why they're handling their fallows and their timeliness of spraying and what sprays they're using. So their own farm management is probably their biggest enemy in that they're not treating the weeds with the urgency at which they need to. They go to seed and the way that it goes on from there. Buying seed, though, from a distributor or a registered seed producer, growers are very, very quick to pick up on what they might perceive as a stray seed, even though it might only be an off-type. So if you're uh, selling seed into the industry, your QA has just got to be second to none, your quality. So whatever you're selling, you've got to be able to stand behind for its purity and all things that go with it. Now, they buy from the neighbour, they put up with it because they know what, yeah, he's probably got a bit of this, maybe a bit of that, but he's bought it knowing that's probably fair enough. Well, he hasn't paid as much for it, so he's happy. Mm. But just going further, what people think is, when people come and they'll get seed, or you're supplying seed, all you can be guaranteed is the purity of your seed at the point it leaves your silo. If it goes up your belt, you can guarantee the purity at the time it dropped into his truck. You've got to inspect those trucks and make sure there's no stray seeds floating around in there. Once it gets to farm or to another outlet, you're not there to inspect his aura. You're not there to inspect any of their equipment. So from there on, it's their assurances against yours if there's any issues with Australia. But being behind that, where a lot of people don't sort of think quite so much about it, some do, but some don't, is that it's in your fertiliser. Now, all grown that's grown basically got started with it. So that starter, if it's in Queensland, you mainly comes out of Brisbane. The trucks that cart out of Brisbane are carted by all sorts, some contractors, some owner drivers, some very reputable freight companies, and all those in between. Now, if they've carted barley somewhere to a feedlot and then gone on to the port or delivered wheat somewhere and then gone on to the port. Who inspects that truck to the degree and to the standards that's required to say, I can guarantee there's not one barley seed in the back of that truck mm, yeah. or, or one other stray. So we get the fertiliser, the starter, it comes up. No one really knows whether that was done or not. They'll say, oh, yeah, yeah clean the truck. And you often see a truck will arrive. If you use an outside truck, be wary. And it's worked by our own trucks and we make sure we send our trucks to pick up our fertiliser. And then once that goes in the starter, it's in the mixed in when you're planting your seed. So you've got some other strays in there you weren't aware of and everything you've done on your farm has been spot on, but there's been a link that you weren't in complete control of. So I believe fertiliser starter is an area where people just need to really be on their game and uh, everyone will assure you, yeah, the truck was clean, but I know for a fact that's not always the case. So when we're growing seed, we've got when we plant we don't put fertiliser and seed up the same order on the seed cart. We use groupers, which is a separate vehicle, to fill the seed cart with fert, and we use the auger that's on the seed cart to put the seed in the boxes and we clean them out so there's no contamination of seed in your fert. A couple of just, you didn't clean it properly, and if you rattled in there, then when you go a different variety, you've got fertiliser in your box with a few stray seeds of a different variety. That's so when we talk about purity and strays, it's a challenge. We take it seriously, and that's why I sort of uh, uh, have a bit to say about it because I just know what it can be like if someone gets astray. If there's a phone call, where'd this come from? You drive in the gate, you probably see a lot of things that were strays on the place, but it's what they're doing, so they're paying more for it, and it's, uh, but it's just an issue. And um, 
but we don't have a lot of trouble because we do, we're just so on about, about the cleanliness and the cleaning down. We've just changed varieties here today on a header from one variety brother. We've just spent five hours on that header, cleaning that header down, and then you flush it, put a flush through it. So nothing, you can't put it through it before you even put it into a, a vehicle that's going to cart it to somewhere that it's feed. It's just, so it's an ongoing, it's a cost, but it's worth it. But that's just on the, on the grain side. When it comes to weeds, weeds are another issue, and I think a lot of weed problem people have got, I'm not sure they're getting it in their seed if they're buying from a reputable seed distributor. But quality of seed is the other one, of course. People keep their own seed, they'll keep it high moisture. Just a couple of years ago around here, there was a lot of people kept their, a certain variety and it was a bit one of those years where the moisture was up and they all kept, they stored it too high. Like we won't take seed off over 12% and they were taking it off a 13 and higher. Used it next year and of course, poor germination. So, so seed, that, that's another thing just on seed production, but nothing to do with weeds. But to about seed quality, the number of times I can name around here in the last two years where people have gone to spray their barley like a clear field and they've decided to yes they can spray that out it'll take that chemical it won't kill the barley but I know in two instances where not in one farm but two farms corporate farms actually and uh, they thought it was that variety but it wasn't that variety it was another variety so when they applied the chemical it wiped out the crop oh dear, and you get a lot of that I think with people buying chickpeas they thought they had that variety but actually it wasn't that variety it was another variety mm. and uh, they bought it from a neighbour or they've confused on their farm or that's off the track a little bit about weed seeds and cleanliness that's more about purity that's more about it all fits because if you're not growing a competitive all, it, it crop then you're going to have more weed seeds uh, weeds uh, po- germinate so that all connects tom they're all really if good you've got weeds in it, yeah if you've got dirty seed you've probably got all sorts of things in it. probably full of black oak could be there's probably barley in it we don't grow any barley on this farm even though we sell barley seed but we get other growers to grow it because Barley is the greatest contaminator, and as soon as you start putting barley through your equipment, you can be sure as eggs you're going to get some contamination. So we don't grow any barley on this farm. It's just wheat, chickpeas, and summer crops. And uh, for that very reason, so we don't get contamination, but there is a lot of contamination of barley in wheat. So that's a given. There's a lot of it around this year, a lot of contamination of barley and wheat. And uh, not from our seed. It's from how people run their business. Not for me to say, but... Agronomists, we talk agronomists, we talk about all the issues that people are dealing with, uh, not to catch them out, but uh, how do we, what are the solution to these problems? How can we guarantee what we're doing is a first-class product? Certainly. And that's uh, some of them, yeah. So, but that's just, uh, yeah, that's our approach on uh, a lot of that. Uh, well, it's really good food for thought and you've raised a lot of issues around, yeah, things that growers need to be mindful about in ensuring that their seed is clean and how to go about that. And obviously, we haven't even delved into all the things, like you said, obviously, uh, having clean paddocks is your, yeah, your first uh, priority in trying to ensure the cleanliness of the seed that you're going to retain. And that's a great point. And a lot of the Weed Smart Big Six principles can be employed to get you to that point. Uh, did you want to say, anything to wrap this topic up any final messages you would share with growers around this topic tom oh i think it all just starts at the farm level it just depends what level of management you're at but if you want to get the very best out of it all you've just got to put in and it comes down to those yeah weed control in your farm timeliness of spraying right rate good advice timeliness is probably the key to a lot of things in farming job done on time is probably the, the king maker. 
and that's the that's the enemy of us all's time. So we're always chasing time, not enough of it, and everyone's running around with a man or two short. So it is very challenging, but you've got to prioritise just what is more important than get the priorities right. If you get those right, and uh, you treat every day as your last day type of thing, and it's got to be done, it's got to be done now, it's got to be done well, you'll probably come out the other end, but it's not easy. No, that's very true, but really great points and really good food for thought, Tom. Thank you so much for having a chat with us. We really appreciate you taking the time. That's all right, Jess. Thank you so much to Tom Woods from the Woods Group. Great overview there. And, Pete, he had some beautiful messages around, uh, yeah, farming in general as well as cleaning seed. What really stood out for you? Oh, there's a lot that stood out, Jess, and just as we said, someone who's using the gold standard. But I really loved his comments at the end there that timing in farming is the kingmaker and yet whereas farmers are shorter on time than ever. And so what a a challenge farming is. But some great words from an experienced grower who really acknowledges just that importance of timing in every operation in farming. Yes, certainly. And thanks to our guests once again. We heard from Shane Kelly at the top, from Kelly Tillage, and then from Tom Woods from the Woods Group. Thank you so much to them. Really important topics. So, yeah, that is a bit of a wrap on the podcast interview-wise for today. But we will share some links with you and just some reminders. Uh, the data that Pete talked to you about there about seed cleaning from Michelle Owen, we'll provide the link to that. We've also got our next regional update coming out next month. Monday and this time we'll be heading to the northern region and we've got another webinar it's one of the last webinars for the year and it's a really interesting topic we're focusing on intercropping so our southern extension agronomist Greg Condon is hosting this one with guest presenter Dr Andrew Fletcher who is a farming system scientist at CSIRO and Andrew is really passionate about the emerging role of diverse cropping systems so you'll hear all about the principles in this webinar of mixing different crops together and how this can potentially provide weed management options for growers i'll provide the link for you to register in the show notes and we've got a new ask an expert with none other than peter newman pete you talked to our content producer cindy benjamin about what people can do at harvest to reduce their future weed burden can you give us a bit of an uh, overview on what you looked at in this article Yeah, Jess, that article is really about everything that you can do at harvest and approaching harvest. So we, of course, have talked a lot about harvest weed seed control, but there are other things as well. So there's collecting weed seeds for herbicide resistance testing. You know, there's there's swathing the crop, which a lot of that timing has passed for a lot of growers, but swathing, mapping weeds and all of those other things that you can do at harvest. Uh, Crop topping, of course, it has become a real critical time of year for our weed control. Once upon a time, it just wasn't thought about. We just used to do all our weed control early in the year and harvest was just harvest, whereas now harvest has become this critical time for controlling that seed bank and also all those things like herbicide resistance testing. So it was really just a bit of a look at all of those things that we're doing at harvest and approaching harvest. And as always, I'll provide the link to that one in the show notes. And Pete, what's the best way for people to keep in touch with us here at Weed Smart? It's to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, Jess. This is where we post all of our new seasonally relevant articles and updates on weed control. And it's also a great place to have good discussions with growers and agronomists. We love having discussions with people rather than just putting the information out there all the time, Jess. Discussions uh, is where it's at for us. Uh, And you can also sign up for our monthly blog, The Weed Smart Whip Around. Our content from last month is featured, so it's easy to get all the latest news straight to your inbox Uh, And our next one will be out early next week. 
Thanks, Pete. And just finally, it would mean the world for us for you to help us spread the word about Weed Smart by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. And uh, if you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that helps out a lot as well. So, and if you haven't already, uh, make sure you are subscribed to uh, the Weed Smart Podcast on your podcast app of choice by searching Weed Smart Podcast. But that's it from us today. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>